Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices here in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW, PW Comics World. Please check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. I am Heidi McDonald. I am also the co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor of Publishers Weekly, and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at www.comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. Okay, this week on More to Come, we're going to, both of us in our own ways, take a look at um, uh, big book fairs, or to be precise, uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair, where I travel to uh, over over about a week, and of course, New York Comic Con. These days, the second largest uh, pop culture and comics festival in North America. That's right. So why don't I start off? We have um, to split our forces. This yes, time. yeah, no, international, right, and international and domestic. International and domestic. Yeah. So Calvin, you were dispatched to Germany to beer. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, it turned out to be only part of what I was there for, but I was able to squeeze in a few other things. Uh, among them, uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair. My first visit, uh, a little strange, I know, after pretty much thirty years in the book publishing business, uh, my first trip to Frankfurt. Frankfurt is uh, unbelievable. It makes BEA and, frankly, even San Diego look like, you know, SPX and MOCA. I mean, it really is gigantic. It's, first of all, it's ten halls, not one hall. Each hall is as big or bigger than BEA. Uh, it apparently attracts about uh, 150,000 professional visitors and about another 130 consumers because, unlike Book Expo America, on the last day of the show... Anybody for 30 bucks can buy a ticket and go in. And do you know who, what, the, what the huge chunk of the uh, consumer market for it is? Teenage girls and teenage boys cosplaying. Wow. It's hard to believe. It's just like... The power of Comic-Con is strong. It's, it, yeah. For some reason, on, on the Saturday, and it usually goes from, uh, goes from Wednesday uh, to Sunday, on that last Saturday... Tens of thousands of teen girls and boys file into this massive complex. Now, in addition to all the halls, there's a gigantic courtyard, and the the, the theme this year was The Hobbit. Now, while there was a great deal of, of you know you know uh, of Tolkien-esque um, uh, cosplaying, really, I'm telling you, it was anime. So, crazy. so it was like you know influenced oh, yeah. by um, other su- subjects. Oh, absolutely! In fact, there were, in fact, I was surprised to see quite a few uh, American superhero costumes there as well. There, there's an there's apparently a trend toward girl Captain Americas uh, in <laughs> in a Captain America uniforms done up into like uh, tasteful or not so tasteful right. miniskirt girl outfits. Hard to believe, I know, but indeed there was a, well, just a sea of red, white, and blue. Well, I, I will say that at least in the United States, with the comics fans I know, there are a lot of huge female fans of the Avengers movie. Like, it, oh sure, way, sure, way oh, absolutely, sure, yeah. sure. I, I was just a little surprised. So, well, I also saw uh, there were uh, uh, Black Widows, and there were quite a few uh, Ivies uh, as well. Yeah, uh, I've got some photos that I'll be putting up on the web. Uh, but uh, but that's on Saturday. But, but actually, what what Frankfurt is is a gigantic rights market. Uh, it, it's not as much a promotional event as the way Book Expo is. Although that does go on, there are hundreds of authors there signing. There are there are booths with people exhibiting their upcoming titles. But it is first and foremost a rights market. Publishers come from around the world. They schedule meetings well before they get there. And I'm telling you, if you look at their appointment sheets. 
They talk to somebody every half an hour, every day, wow. all day. It's totally insane. Uh, but uh, that's how they do it, and that's what the publishers are there to buy and to sell. Uh, now, I was able to, uh, uh, among uh, the other things I had to do there, to track down a lot of the comic stuff. Uh, there's a whole hall, Hall 3, that's devoted to comics. It's not totally devoted to comics, but there's a huge amount of comics there, particularly the German uh, comics publishers like Carlson and the like, as well as uh, the, some of the smaller publishers like Splitter Verlag. Uh, and in addition, uh, I was also able to talk uh, very much, uh, a little bit, uh, with Reproduct, which um, actually is a publisher of Dan Klaus. Yeah. They do a, quite a few yeah, of like the, the Americans. Yeah, they're like the drawn and quarter. Yes, exactly. Germany, exactly. So, or the Astaberry. Uh, so. uh, New Zealand actually was the featured country, uh, much oh. like um, um, most of the book fairs do this. They have some right. featured country. Oh, so that's why and Dylan so Horrocks. Dylan Horrocks, ah. uh, Dylan Horrocks, but also uh, Roger Langridge. And uh, Colin Wilson uh, of Burberry fame, uh, Blueberry, excuse me, Blueberry fame, there I go again, um, was also, they were also there. I was fortunate enough to be able to do a quick interview with Dylan Horrocks, who gave a shout out to Heidi, by the way, uh, who gave a great talk. Um, he was featured in signings, um, he, was, uh, uh, he gave a talk on one day. Uh, I, I also bumped into our old friend, friend of the show, Nicholas uh, uh, Gravel. I hope yes. I'm not mangling yes. his name, the yes. agent. So bumped into him there. He did a double take I'm seeing sure, me walking the I'm floors sure of Frankfurt. Quite busy. Also, uh, David Steinberger uh, uh, and Comixology were uh, featured speakers. They have what they call spark stages. So throughout these halls, there are stages, and they schedule talks on issues pertaining to the business. One of the speakers was um, David Sternberger talking about comicsology and about the fact that comicsology, uh, uh, there are comics downloaded from over 225 countries around the world and over half of the people signing up for comicsology are outside of the U.S. In addition, comicsology is apparently the number one digital, the number one app, uh, book, iPad app in France and is in the top five in like Germany wow. and Italy with no foreign language content at all. English speaking people in France apparently believe that comicsology is a better deal than the French equivalents. Mm -hmm. So well, do they have French equivalents? Yes, apparently there are three or four equivalents. Uh, I'm told uh, that their experience really doesn't compare mm -hmm. to using comicsology. Right. Whatever you think about comicsology. Basically, it's super well, nuts. Well, uh, you know, during this whole period, they uh, underwent their 100 millionth download. Yes, so, exactly. I, I mean, the comics all he's on the march for sure. So, so yeah. So I also talked a great deal with Terry Nantier there, who uh, kind of showed me his cell sheet. He was a big help. Took me around a little bit. Um, he was there speaking with his uh, Chinese publish. Uh, excuse me, his Chinese printer. Uh, in addition to selling um, more than uh, more than buying, now, trying to place I, when titles. they open it to consumers, do they sell physical books? Is there any physical books? Uh, they on? don't. Actually, you don't buy books there. And I do the right. on the floor. You can buy in different places, but over the wall, it is actually in that instance, it is like Book Expo. You can't really buy on the floor. In fact, a lot of the publishers are. I will say this: there is some leeriness. Of, pub, of public day because books disappear off of shelves apparently right, right. Uh, so I'm told um, in addition let's see did I, I think that kind of covers all of it uh, Terry was very uh, very helpful really gave me a look at his day and how he goes about um, 
working with the public and right. with um, well, that would be a documentary itself it, called Terry's Day. Well, as a matter of fact, because uh, so many of the licenses that Terry has now, I mean, these really mega selling licenses uh, like uh, Geronimo Stilton uh, and uh, some of the others, he picked up, you know, at Frankfurt. Um, right. So, right. Uh, so. Frankfurt Book Fair, uh, a big win. Uh, good for me to go there, and really, really kind of overwhelming uh, experience. Yes. yes. Well, speaking of overwhelming, while Calvin was enjoying uh, this pretty amazing sounding experience over in uh, Germany, Kate and I were uh, manning the fort for New York Comic Con. And Kate, you you were there for the whole thing. I unfortunately was called away by a, uh, a death in the family, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I was there for two days, and I mean, it is uh, kind of sad because I was saying about how the uh, I was there for the ICV2 conference the first day, and I was having a great time. I mean, there were so mm-hmm. many people to talk to, and I was doing panels, and they were great. And and there is, I think there even we talked about this the last time. Like there was some concern about New York Comic Con in terms of the fact that they really did not spotlight comics this time in the promotional materials. They were really focusing on the, all the media stuff with The Walking Dead and the Evil mm-hmm. Dead movie and all that stuff. But you know what? Turned out to be a lot of comics there, and um, I mean, you could tell from the the crowd in Artist Alley. I mean, looking on from afar, it did seem to be like things were kind of right. popping there, yeah. right? And uh, everybody reported great sales. Um, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the ICV two conference. Was held the Wednesday before the show. Uh, this is the show that's uh, put on every year. Well, not every year, but quite frequently by Milton Greep, uh, who runs the ICV two pop culture business site. So uh, he presented his white paper which he does every year, where he looks at uh, sales figures uh, from uh, Comics and Graffinelles. And the first half of 2012, despite the ongoing slow economy and also borders uh, liquidation last year, was uh, the sales are holding their own. Like, graphic novels are down 8%. However, periodical sales are up 20%. Overall, sales are up 5%. And he attributed this to... Uh, DC's New 52 really goosing things and uh, as everybody's been saying that of course did great for DC but it also really got people into comic shops and everyone has benefited from it Um, you know he also pointed out that uh, Avengers vs. X-Men has been a big success for Marvel Uh, but the next level of publishers like Image Dark Horse IDW Boom and Dynamite have really also been holding their own and they're definitely contributing to the to the rise um he had some other statistics you know manga is way down that is just a continuing trend although he did say that part of the reason it was down is probably a blowback effect from the borders closing that so much manga was let go so cheap at the very end of the year the year before that it affected right sales. Yes, that the borders uh, the uh, bankruptcy absolutely affected manga quite a bit. However, yeah. uh, he is seeing graphic novels bounce back, uh, but manga unfortunately is not bouncing back at the same rate. I mean, there's definitely been a decline, and he pointed out that this is also in Japan. You know, the top. Uh, franchises are still things like One Piece, which, which have been declining right. for a few years, yes, actually. Yes, and there's the, a lack mm-hmm. of innovation in Japan, and a lot of it they attribute to digital piracy. But you know, I think there's maybe, a limit to what digital piracy can do. Yeah, and I think maybe it's time to look at the American market and say that you know, with Comicsology, like you're saying, Calvin, uh, it's doing very well. There's more digital comics being sold than ever before, and guess what? There's more print comics being sold. I mean, not that ever before. I will say before, one thing also: the Japanese publishers dragged their feet, dragged. 
their feet for years in giving uh, digital licenses to their American licensees. We're talking about really only about one or two years right. that American uh, publishers have actually even had digital rights to exploit. So, I mean, in, in some sense, as what we're seeing in the American market is that digital is goosing sales. Right. So right. uh, I, I think the American market needs a little more time uh, as we're just starting to see some of the better franchises being given digital rights for Americans to release right. here. So, right. Well, I mean, I think, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I think the general point is, like, manga definitely could use a goose. Um, yes. Just some and, digital is picking up from manga. Uh, Milton gave some figures. Uh, I have that happen to have a chart here, the slide here. Um, in 2009, he estimated it was probably between half a million to a million dollar business. In 2010, he said it had risen to $8 million. That's an eightfold. Uh, in 2011, he uh, estimates the digital sales market as $25 million, so that's three times bigger. And for 2012, he estimates it will again be three times bigger. Uh, about $75 million is the number that people are talking about. So, you know, it's becoming a fairly significant number. Uh, the overall sales of the... I don't know if I... I just took pictures of these slides because I'm so clever. But, uh, and I'm looking at them right now, but uh, this is all written up in P, uh, Publishers Weekly. Um, the 2011, the last year for which he has the full statistics, the combined graphic novel and comics market was $640 million, which is down from a peak $715 million in 2008. Uh, but still, all things considered, that's pretty good. That's, yes, and that is more, that is exactly where it was in 2006. Mm. So we're seeing a bit of a curve, but, but, uh, it is also up 5% from last year. So uh, very. St- I think those are very yeah. strong numbers. And mm-hmm. from what I saw, I do think that carried over to New York Comic Con. So, I, I, again, I was not on the floor very much, but in the time I was there, I saw incredible enthusiasm. And yeah. just people were champing at the bit to get in here. And, of course, there was a lot of interest in The Walking Dead and all that. But, Kate, they seemed to like comics as well. Well, it seemed to be mostly comics, actually. It was kind of interesting watching the floor and seeing what had the most cosplayers. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, well, there was a lot of Doctor Who because Doctor Who costumes are easy, but far, actually, far outpacing Avengers, which I thought would be big, and it was big-ish, was um, Adventure Time and Homestuck. So Homestuck. many Homestuck outfits. Amazing. Especially because they're not easy. Because you need to put in the horns. You need sure. to, you know, I love cosplay as an index to, index to uh, economic uh, health yeah. in the comics industry. Yeah. I think that's an excellent measuring stick. If, if you looked on the floor, you would not be surprised that they had a million dollar Kickstarter. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. True. Like, the cosplay true. numbers were at least were, were, mm-hmm. were equal to Marvel, maybe higher, probably higher, and definitely higher than. Yeah. Well, we don't, yeah. you know, I, well, something like Homestuck. Enthusiasm. Yeah, but we don't really have any way of, of, of measuring how what the potential value of that mm-hmm. that franchise. I mean, a million dollar Kickstarter, you know, is one metric, obviously. Sure. But but uh, but the cosplay index, you can't underestimate it. Yes, yeah. I love it. The um, cosplay I wanna, index. <laughs> I want to point out one other thing, and, and Kate, before I I would love to get your impression of this also. But um, Torsten Adair wrote a piece for the Beat. Uh, about new exhibitors at New York Comic Con. Yeah. And there was uh, a, a lot of new people, and many of them were book-related. Uh, Zondervan, the Christian publisher, was there for the first time. Tashin, the art book yeah. publisher that we all love so mm-hmm. much, uh, was there. Andrews McNeil, who publishes uh, comic strip reprint books, was there. Nook was the, uh, an exhibitor for the first time. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and Even more interesting. Yes, Craftsman Tools was there for reasons no one can yet figure out. <laughs> and uh, there was a very sizable book 
uh, yeah. regular book section um, uh, that was on the floor. I mean, of course, old stalwarts such as Abrams and for a second uh, mm-hmm. and McMillan, Pantheon FSG, and the like. Pantheon yeah. was there. I mean, they're always there. Uh, you know, Lerner mm-hmm. graphic Lerner was there, um, uh, and they were selling books, unlike mm-hmm. Pantheon, uh, unlike Frankfurt. Uh, yes. This was a place where like Tashin was there selling their books. Mm-hmm. So I think this is pretty significant because I've heard people saying that BEA needs to open its doors to become more open, and publishers are beginning to. Everybody's kind of hopping on this Comic Con bandwagon a little bit. Um, it's a very the energy is there. What's not to like? Yes. The people that buy your books are right there in your face, right. uh, and they're you, dressed as your books. Yes, so. and, and indeed they are. <laughs> So I mean, it, I mean, to, for those of us coming out of the the comic side of the convention world, it seems almost a no brainer. In fact, it it links into actually the rise of uh, digital community. The the notion that you do, that you work directly with the people that you're creating content for, that you get feedback from them, that you know you really honor them for spending their time and money on what you produce, seems a no brainer to most people. Uh, while the rest of the comics industry and the excuse me in the prose book industry seems to still be working through issues with having to deal directly with the people that uh, pay their salaries right. um, but it, it, perhaps in the in the pop culture vein they they can kind of let their hair down a little bit right. and realize that you know it's okay <laughs> right well I also see I mean we're seeing changing of the guards and that people who work at book companies yes, are also very true. open to this this geek culture absolutely but, um, but yeah but Kate I mean what I'll continue with because uh, you were there for could the I throw a question out I am curious did you get over to the new artist alley oh I sure did uh, I'm I'm really curious about how that worked off uh, worked out excuse me. The New Artist Alley was at least a block away from everything else, mm-hmm. quite literally, if not further. <laughs> I'd say about two blocks. In fact, I can even name what streets they were. Never mind. And I was actually a little worried for it because I have to say, Artist Alley at previous New York Comic Cons were a little sad. I mean, they were kind of the back. They didn't get a lot of attention. Frequently, I would be able to go up to like major writers and artists, and there would be like hardly anyone at their table. So I thought that if they put them so far away in our Sally, surely it would be even worse. But when I went there, the place was packed. Great. I mean, Great. it looked like the whole place. I love the way it looked. Uh, oh, it looked you know, yeah. you know, kind of like that's an yes. awesome room. Yeah. Uh, one of the people I interviewed described it as an airplane hangar, and it really kind of is that size uh-huh. and, and shape. Uh-huh. Although a very pretty airplane. Yes. Right <laughs> uh, and it was just packed with people. It was seething. It was, I would say, as heavily populated as chunks of the main show floor. Certainly awesome. That's great. more populated than where our booth was, even. Um, like The line for major artists were very, very long. Um, people were spending. People were going. The hallway to get there was just a sea of people flooding awesome. in to see wow. their favorite artists. That's great. And this despite the fact that, as Heidi highlighted in her tweet story, um, lots of people were tweeting and complaining, where's Artist Alley? I can't find it. Well, they, they the show didn't do anything to um, promote that. Well, they, 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 they did, did have a bit, giant they... Artist Alley banner, but aside from that, not really. Yeah, We've got a great photo of it, up, uh, by the way, at uh, on the PW Comics World's uh, Facebook page. Uh, Facebook slash... PW Comics, Comics World. World, yeah. Um, I think uh, you know it was a, another big year. New York Comic Con has been growing every mm-hmm. year. Uh, I mean, I think they're a little bit scared of their success at this point. Uh, you know, talking about Artist Alley, I did not realize until I was looking at Twitter that um, I'm going to sneeze. Again. <coughs> yeah, just let it go. Um, I 
I did not realize until I was reading some tweets that Guarnido uh, was there. Juan Joe, one whole Guarnido, the great Spanish artist of Black Sod. I mean, he's oh, one of the world's yes, yes. best known cartoonists, and he was just an artist alley, kind of unannounced. Um, you know, selling sketches, and people were walking Whoa. up and buying sketches. I mean, there was, you know, I, I wrote a story today about how Mike Mignola was just kind of sitting there, and I mean, they were busy, and they were doing great, but I mean, the, the, the caliber of artists that was at the show was incredibly high, and um, I mean, I don't, obviously they don't need to do anything to draw more people to the show, but I, I think despite the media focus, it seems like you could have a pretty good comic show just hanging out in Artist Alley, so... Well, one thing I thought was interesting was when I was talking to various creators in our Sally, I kept I heard a couple times they were saying they felt this was more of a comic show than San Diego, mm-hmm. and that they really felt like they liked it. They really felt like people were there who cared about comics, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of comics attention, and they were treated right by the well, convention. There's also a story in Variety that I linked to on the beat today where they're talking about oh. Hollywood really needs to pay more attention to New York Comic Con. Like, they didn't even have any parties there. No. Big media parties and stars. And they, you know, what? They could just need to do a few more things. It'll be like San Diego. Keep them I'm away. Like, what the? <laughs> Ding dong, well, dilly yo. What the? Mocahontas are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. You know, well, it's interesting. You I mean, can keep your melon farmer media <laughs> parties. Yes. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, to be on the real side, I mean, New York Comic Con would love to have uh, Hollywood there writing big checks. But I will say this. From the very beginning, uh, they have at least played lip service to the notion that that New York was the publishing con as as San Diego becomes more and more supposedly the movie uh, uh, comics con. So certainly this year, it seems as though that may be exactly how it's playing out. And as always, we do not need to put down San Diego. Not at all. No. Thing. You know, and we love San thing. Diego. Don't get us wrong. Uh, right, but there's no need to make the two ex- cons clones of each exactly. other. Exactly. But, you know, no. No. But, but they offer a really interesting variety. And, and, and I think the other thing about New York Comic Con, I said this last year, and then the time I was there, I noticed it again. It's very young crowd. It's kids mm-hmm. coming out. There was a lot of cosplay both days. I hear the kids on Sunday, which is Kids yeah, Day. Well, I, heard the that, I hear children, that was, it was awesome. Um, but it's a very enthusiastic crowd. It's, it's very urban. It's very contemporary. Um, they are they are there to see things and experience things. It's, it's sort of hilarious to me how a lot of old timers in uh, comics. Uh, that's the best way I can put it. I will not name names. You mean people like me? Go on. Yeah, what are you saying there, Miss? You know, way younger than either of us. Go yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> always are like, well, I don't see why anyone wants the comic industry to accommodate people who are not uh, white men over the age of 25, because clearly those are the only people who are interested in comics, so that's all we can do. And it's like, well, if you were at New York Comic Con, you would see this is not the case (laughs) at all. I mean... There, and they were there for comics. And yes, I count manga as part of comics. Oh, yeah. yes. But well, um, they, were, hells I yeah. Mean, they were there for comics. They were not there for the video games. They were not, I mean, these were were kids and people my age were coming to the booth and were like, ooh, comics. Ooh, you're raffling off comics? Like, I like these comics. Like, they were dressed as comics. They were, they were there for comics. They had bought large piles of comics. Um, to say that the interest is not there, to say that the potential audience is not there in younger generations or in, you know, different 
racial or gender demographics is just not borne out by what you see in your Comic-Con. Right. And these shows have just grown enormously through the worst recession this country has been right. seen in 50 years. Absolutely. And there's another graph that Alex Zolbin put up in his Tumblr where he just went by the, uh, the announced attendance figures for the year Comic-Con uh, since it launched in, I, I think it was 2005. And it's a, at a very steep curve. I mean, every year it's literally just a, a uh, 45-degree angle. Yeah. Of, uh, Didn't it draw like 20,000 fans the very first Yeah, in a tiny room. We were joking about the fact that the room that that was held in the first year, it was just a holding pen this year, like where they lined people up. Or they they had uh, the retail breakfast in this room. I mean, it's really crazy. So um, anyway, yeah, you know, I I see no evidence that comics are not doing awesome, to be honest. It was very upbeat. Yeah. And in fact, this isn't about New York Comic Con. I just there's something I forgot to mention about Frankfurt. I just wanted to throw this out before we wrap this up. Is that uh, Tokyo Pop lives, yeah. and they lives in Germany. They are the second largest manga publisher in Germany, and they publish up, up as many as twenty titles a month. So, so who's running it in Germany? Uh, you know, I don't know the uh, the structure, but just talking with people in the Tokyo booth there, that just gave me some basic facts about it. Okay, great. Um, I'm now going to talk about my experiences at New York Comic Con because I was there for the whole thing. Mm. And when I mean the whole thing, I mean from the minute it opened till the minute it closed the whole time. And it was pretty good. Um, I would say it was interesting. You could definitely tell why any particular media presence was there. Like, person of interest was there because it films in New York and they're currently filming. Um, Marvel was there because Marvel. And (laughs) interestingly enough... Um, they actually made a major reveal at the con. They revealed, spoilers, folks, uh, that Agent Coulson will be back and will be the headliner of the S.H.I.E.L.D. television show as created by Joss Whedon. And you should have heard that hall erupt. I've never heard an <laughs> eruption like that anywhere. I mean, there were chants, there were screams. It was like a rock concert. Well, comics fans, they don't hold it in. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You no, know, good or bad, but go on. Um, I'd say like, the number of cosplayers was, I think, slightly lower percentage than years past, that you didn't necessarily have as many giant wings blocking your way, but that could have just been that they widened the hallways, which they did, <laughs> which was very helpful. Yeah. And um, actually, I would say I saw more comics presence there uh, and slightly less video game presence dash TV presence than I have in previous years. Uh, and it was a really great crowd. Well, sounds sounds good. You know, like I said, I yeah. think it was all... Well, con and festival uh, culture uh, just seems to uh, continue on and, and, you know, just one boom quick, quick curve. note. Just yeah. that at the ICV2 conference, it was Oh, all, yes, yes, it yes. Was it was very, It was very, yeah. very, very positive there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... The mood was great. I mean, I've been to some of these where people were a little bit bored and not thinking things were going so great, and everybody was incredibly... Yeah, you were there too, Kate. I yeah, mean, it was very helpful about the very, future of the industry, too. Right, it was very upbeat, and everybody is like... I mean, things are doing well, you know, new business ventures are being announced and new venture capital is being brought into comics. I believe a lot of it is to do with the digital. Everybody is launching some kind of digital comics app right now. A lot of them are not going to make it, but you know, anytime money flows, something comes out of it. One thing that was interesting for Milton Group is that he felt that while people were talking about technology and the economy, that he thought the thing that was driving sales well now and we're not in the past was he felt that the quality of the material cannot be underestimated. Absolutely. And I was told that by a diamond rep as well. That if if people are bringing out things that fans want to read 
fans will spend more money. Yeah. Right. Well, that's it. You know, yeah. good comics equal uh, good higher sales. Yeah. So. Um, we do have some interviews for you. Oh, yeah. And if you'd like to hear a little bit from some big names at New York Comic Con and Frankfurt, keep listening. Okay. I am Amanda Connor. And how is your New York Comic Con going? Insane. <laughs> the New York Comic Con is going insane, but it's good insane. I've never sold out of anything at a New York show before, and this is the first time that I have. I was on the Before Watchmen panel uh, with DC Comics. It went really well. I, I was a little worried. We were all so exhausted. I thought that we were going to sound too sleepy, but according to the fans in the audience, we, we, we did very well. <laughs> I love everybody here at New York Comic Con, and uh, thank you for all coming to see me. My name is Ryan Dunleavy. I'm a cartoonist, best known for a comic book called uh, Action Philosophers. This is our hometown convention, and uh, it always goes great. It's always a highlight of the year. It's the best year we've had so far. We've almost sold out of everything. I was on a panel for MTV Comics. Um, I have a new comic called Bad Guy that's coming out for them. Um, it went really well. I could tell that some of the people were there for Thundercats, which was coming after us, but uh, it was still fun, and we got a lot of... My comic got a lot of laughs, so I was happy with that. <laughs> I'm Brian J. Glass. Uh, I'm the Harvey Award-winning uh, uh, writer, co-creator of The Mice Templar. And how's your New York Comic Con going? Oh, fantastic. It's a record-breaking for, for me and my wife. We're debuting Volume 3, just debuted here at the show. We're getting ready next year for Volume 4 that'll bring our saga of mice rodent warriors to a close. Hi, I'm Cory Doctorow. I write science fiction novels and a column for PW. And how's your con going? So far, so good. I've seen lots of interesting and, and odd things. Uh, obviously, the independent side has got a lot of stuff that um, is kind of buried about 40 clicks deep on the web. That uh, it's, it's fun to actually see it all laid out there and curated and ready to be kind of harvested and blogged. So. Great. And what are you enjoying most about the con? Um, you know, I really like finding people who have uh, found a little niche all to themselves of something completely unlikely and wonderful. Strange vinyl toys and oddball comics. People who I see year to year who are doing better and better, like the Reading with Pictures folks who do um, uh, uh, basic literacy comics, who um, did a first edition and now are uh, running up to their second edition and uh, have had enormous success since last year when I saw them here. I am Bob Streisand. Wait, no, I'll be, I'll be serious. I'm Ben Templesmith. And how is this year's New York Comic Con going for you? Uh, exceptionally well. It's far surpasses previous Comic Cons and especially San Diego Comic Con. It's, this is about art and comics. It's, it's fantastic. So this is better for you than the last San Diego Comic Con? Oh yeah, well San Diego is not about comics anymore, creators, but this, this one actually makes us feel welcomed and we've got our entire hangar full of creators and it's busy and they're only here for comics. It's great. We are doing some record-breaking Kickstarters right now with a, a book called Tome, which is a gigantic art anthology with people like Dave McKean and Neil Gaiman, who you may have heard of. And we just launched a new one called Lust, which is about virtues and vice. It's the first time me and Steve Niles are working together in 10 years. first time we did, we did a thing called 30 Days of Night, which went on to become a major motion picture. So, yeah, um, we're doing a Kickstarter right now called Lust, so check it out if you want. Hi, I'm Bill Willingham. Uh, I write a book called Fables. And this, this very charming and lovely woman named Kate Fitzsimmons is sticking a phone right in my nose. And back in my days, you couldn't record things on phones unless you hooked this like, great big old thing of apparatus and stuff to it. I just wanted to know how your New York Comic Con is going. Well, it's almost done. And it's been this big kind of like crush of people. 
and that's kind of like a good thing in the sense of how cool is it that there's so many people here and a bad thing in the sense of uh, it gets tiring swimming through rivers of human beings um, and but there's been you know terrific booths terrific presentations here yeah I, I guess in the long run it went kind of well and this is a nice time because I'm at my table and I don't have to leave until it's time for us to leave and people come by and, and do nice things and stick their phones in front of my nose I've been on the Vertigo panel the Fables panel, uh, the first comics panel, and a panel on um, writing for for let's see, writing to the page, which is writing so that an artist can take what you do and make comics out of it. No one stormed the stage and, and dragged us down and ripped us to pieces like you know one does when you put on a boring panel. Um, uh, informative, I hope. Do you have anything to say to our listeners? Yes. Yes, all of you pub. Well, that's it. It was an awesome time for everybody, and uh, I know there's more to come. Yeah, more to come uh, on two continents. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you in two weeks.